morning, Fellowship Fable. If you're in the foyer, go ahead and make your way in. Well, hey, last week we began um, Ephesians, and uh, every time we have a new series, we have a, a ministry here called Spectra, and Spectra is the artist that call Fellowship home. And our new Spectra art is actually in our foyer. It's over on this side. So I'd encourage you, as, as you're leaving today, to walk by and see some of the art that's been painted and, and crafted by some of the artists that uh, go to this church. And so I just encourage you to walk by and see it. Well, my name is David. This is Kelly. And uh, we are so excited to be here with you this morning. Last week, we, uh, we looked at Ephesians chapter 1, and we learned who we are in Christ. And today, we're looking at Ephesians later in chapter 1, and we're going to look at who Christ is in us. And so to begin this morning, though, we want to start by proclaiming a song that talks about a phrase that's used over and over again in chapter 1. That phrase is, in him, in him. We're secure, we're found in him, we belong to him. And so would you stand with us this morning as we begin our time? Let's remind ourselves of our identity in Christ together this morning. I don't belong to riches, treasures that don't satisfy, power and pleasures that always run dry, but I Defined by this word, approval and praise that change every day, but I belong to Christ. Sing it with me. Christ, I belong to Christ, my King. I belong to 
Last week, Ryan introduced us to a confession and assurance of pardon that we're going to, as a church, say often and, and frequent with the hopes that confession and remembrance of the gospel will become true of our everyday normal lives. Not just something that we do on Sundays, but something that we do day in and day out. Remind ourselves of the good news of Jesus. And so let's, let's do this together. Heavenly Father, read it with me. Have mercy on us. We have not loved you as you deserve. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We have not obeyed you as we should. Lord, forgive us our sin. We are in need of Savior. And that Savior is Jesus, who offered himself as the perfect sacrifice that we may be seen as clean in God's eyes. So church, believe the good news together. Jesus died for us. Jesus rose for us. Jesus intercedes for us. In him, we are a new creation. In him, we have forgiveness of sin. In him, we have a savior. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Join the everlasting 
enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might this is a prayer a beautiful prayer that Paul wrote for the church of Ephesus morning we in this next song are going to give some space for pause and reflection we're going to sing a little and then a prayer prompt will come up and I want you all to join together and pray for all of us as a family of God as these prompts come up of our hearts again together. Open the eyes. Open the eyes of our hearts, Lord. Open the eyes of our hearts. We want to see. We want to see.
pray that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened. Open the eyes. Open the eyes of our hearts, Lord. Open the eyes of our hearts. We want to see you. We want to see you. See of your inheritance that you have given us are astounding. And Lord, I don't know what each person has walked in here with, or if they feel full or they feel empty. But Lord, if anything, these verses remind me is um, the never stopping and never endless gifts that he has lavished on us and the power that he has given us. And so Lord, I ask that for every person here, that they would truly be able to believe and be able to grasp Twenty-one years ago, I'll never forget turning on the TV and seeing the two towers in New York City on fire. I'll never forget my mom calling me from Tulsa, just in a complete panic of what was going on. I'll never forget the uncertainty that our family felt and just kind of the fear of what the future laid. But I'll also never forget the sacrifice that we saw first responders uh, make and taking care of others. And so this morning, we just wanted to continue to say thank you to our first responders that every day is an uncertainty to them, but they continue to go out and serve us. And we have many of those first responders who are part of this fellowship body. So could we just say thank you real fast? Hey, welcome here to Fellowship. My name is Brian Pope. I'm the Global Outreach Director here. And just wanted to say that this time of year, we have a lot of things that we're getting kicked off and, and uh, are getting going to, to help equip you, the saints, for the work of the service. And, and one of those things uh, that we do is offer many classes. And it is not too late uh, a lot of those classes even start this week, but it is not too late to sign up for the classes. And so uh, if you could just QR code that, and here's some of the, the classes that we have going on. Discover Fellowship, Panorama, which is a walkthrough of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Discover Leadership and the Torah class. And the Torah class we're also using to train our future global workers. But you don't have to be a global worker uh, to jump into that class. We'd love to have you uh, be a part of it. So please, if you're interested at all, take your phone out, take a picture of that QR code, and it'll direct you on how to sign up. Hey, a couple weeks ago, maybe it was about a month ago, uh, 
I talked to y'all about a ministry that I just love. It's called Furniture Friends. And what it does is it basically loans out and delivers furniture uh, to internationals who have moved here in the area. Most of them uh, are attending the U of A. And so here's a picture of the group that showed up uh, and spent uh, half a day of delivering furniture to different apartments and to different people. And I just kind of wanted to read through the countries represented just in this one day uh, of serving. So we went to uh, people who are from India, India, Malawi, Dominica, India, India, Bangladesh, India, Nepal, India, India, Uzbekistan, Brazil, Nigeria, Jordan, Iran, Bangladesh. All in half of a day, people from all around the world have, have moved here and they got to see Christ serve them in a practical way. And the furniture part of it is only half of it. It's furniture friends. And what this ministry tries to do is, is to pair the people up uh, with Americans just to invest in them and just to build a friendship and show them the love of Christ. And so if you are interested in being one of those friends, it is not hard. It means reaching out, it means having them over to dinner, it means inviting them into your home. We would love to set you up uh, with some of these students. So please just take a picture of that email, email me and we will uh, help you get set up from these just fascinating people from all over the globe. And speaking of which, we have one of our friends here. We actually met him at, uh, it's called uh, An American in a Dinner's Home, and one of our residents uh, had our friend Doyne uh, come to his house. And Doyne, we quickly found out, was a brother in Christ from Nigeria. And Doyne, you've been here, what, about four months? Um, actually, um, a month and some days. I got in there July 20, 27th. Oh, it's July. So brand new here. Doyne is here. What, what, what are you studying? Um, I'm in physics department. Um, I'm doing my PhD in physics. Ah, PhD in physics. So me and him, yeah. <laughs> Besides being a brother in Christ, we also have uh, probably the same IQ. I was a communications major. Um, <laughs> So, Doyne is going to read uh, today's scripture in his native language, and I would try to pronounce it, but I would mess that up as well, but we're going to have it up on the screen, and he's going to read it for us. Thank you. Good morning, church. So, I'll be reading from um, Ephesians um, chapter 1 from verse 15 to 23 in Yoruba language. Ephesus. Little ati agbara ati oye ati gbogbo oruko ti anda ki se ile aye yi nikan sugbon le yi ti nbo pelu o si ti fi ohun gbogbo sabe ese re o si ti fi se ori lori gbogbo fun ijo eyi ti ise ara re ekun eni ti o kun ohun gbogbo ninu ohun gbogbo amen Isn't that awesome? We love hearing languages read here in multiple languages uh, for several reasons. One, it helps remind us that we're part of a global multi-ethnic family who has this 
as its centerpiece our King Jesus. And number two, it always reminds me that whenever I hear the language, the scripture being read in a different language, it reminds me that to the original writers of our Bible in Hebrew and in Greek, you know what would have sounded like a really foreign language? English. Would have sounded real weird to them. And yet here we are, and God has seen fit to preserve in his sovereign grace and power the scriptures so we can hear it in his language and our language in this building in Northwest Arkansas, in Fayetteville in 2022. Isn't that cool? And we so often, I think, miss what a grace of God that we can even read it. Now, my name's Garland. I'm one of the pastors here. Glad to be with you. How are we? A big win yesterday. Uh, so we're doing everything good. I hope we're doing really well. Um, so we're gonna continue our Ephesians study this morning, which we began last week. And we're gonna look at one of the great prayers of the Bible. This is Paul's prayer that concludes chapter one. It's amazing. We've, we've, we've already looked at some of the prayer here this morning. But to give, give us a little background on it, we gotta first ask the question, where exactly is Paul as he writes this letter, as he, as he sends this prayer in the mail? Where is he? Now, there's some debate on this. Some scholars think he, he may be writing the letter from Ephesus itself. Other scholars think maybe he's in a place called Caesarea. It's in modern-day uh, Israel. And the traditional answer, the traditional place where people think Paul wrote this is they think he's writing it from Rome itself. Paul sits in the heart of the empire, in the capital city where Caesar reigns. This is the center of the universe in its day. This is the biggest empire in the world. And if you've been to Rome before and seen it, just it, the scale is unbelievable, the color and the power and the wealth and the politics and the greed. Now, is Paul enjoying the glories of Rome as he writes this letter? No. Where's Paul? Paul is writing this letter in chains. He's writing it from prison, and we'll see that as we continue in the letter. And he's writing to a group of churches, a collection of churches in modern-day Turkey. They used to call it Asia or Asia Minor. And he's writing to those churches, and they are struggling. They've got some difficulties. They've got some things they're facing that have made it really difficult to walk through their city saying, Jesus is king. And we're going to see what the Apostle Paul, as he falls on his knees to write a prayer and say these words to this struggling church from prison, what does he write? And it might surprise you, he doesn't mention their circumstances one time. Instead, he's gonna pray something different. And here's the deal this morning. What Paul says to the Ephesian church and to the gathered churches in Asia Minor, says, if you have this, what I am praying for you, if you can understand this, then regardless of your circumstances, you will have greatness. You will have power. You will have courage. And if you don't understand this, then it doesn't matter the circumstances of your life because you will always go through life timid and scared and fearful and anxious. It's that consequential to Paul that when he hits his knees to pray for this church, this is what he prays. It unlocks everything else. So what is it? That's what we're here this morning to find out. What we're gonna see is if we can understand this prayer, if it can be true to you and to me, then it comes with incredible riches and power. It, would, might, it might even change your life and my life. And that's including if you've been walking with Jesus for years or you don't even know it. So what is the prayer? First, we gotta see its content. Then second, who receives it? It's recipients. Third, what's the source of this power that Paul speaks of? And lastly, how can we be sure of it? So this morning, we're gonna see, and it's my hope that you walk out of here this morning going, I gotta start praying like this because this is the kind of power I want. What is it? What's the content of the prayer? Who gets it? Where does it come from? And what assures it? For us. If you have your Bibles, I saw many of you already turning there, go with me, Ephesians chapter one. I must say, I'm gonna have to calm myself. I have been so excited about studying Ephesians. I've re-fallen in love with this letter. It's unbelievable 
what we're gonna get to look at as we go through this. Now, let me catch you up on what's going on with Paul's letter to the Ephesians, okay? Paul is writing probably from Rome, and he's writing to a group of churches in Asia. We've already established this. Now, we can be almost certain that Paul intends this letter to be not necessarily just to the one church in Ephesus, but to a broader collection of churches. It's what we call a circular letter. Here's a couple ways that we can know that. The first is this. Look at chapter six. At the end of this letter, Paul doesn't give his normal, familiar collection of greetings that he gives when he's writing to one church. Additionally, in chapter one, verse one, there is what we call a textual variant in the very first verse of this, uh, of this letter. Textual variants where manuscripts disagree. Let me tell you, our earliest manuscripts of Ephesians, they actually do not include Paul to the church in Ephesus. So probably the most likely scenario is this. Paul was writing this letter, and the initial recipient of it was the church in Ephesus, but it was meant to be scattered and rewritten and copied to this broader collection of churches. You wanna know about these churches? Go read Revelation two and three. You can see some of these churches and what they're experiencing, their difficulty. Now, as the initial recipients of this letter, the city of Ephesus, it was a crazy city. I like to think of it as the Los Angeles of its day. It's an urban city, it's a metropolitan city, it's a coastal city, lots of trade, lots of stuff coming in and out, but it was known it was known as the home of the great Artemis, the fertility, god of, fertility goddess of hunting and gathering and growth. And we can see this is the artist's rendering of what we found in the ruins of the temple of Artemis, probably the biggest building in the world at the time, one of the seven ancient wonders of the world, and it dominated the skyline. Ephesus is an important city. It's a large city. It's a leading city of this part of the world, just so you can see it, because I think stuff like this is cool. This is the theater at Ephesus. Um, it holds, this is it present day, it holds 24,000 people. For point of reference, that's 4,000 people more than Bud Walton Arena when it's packed. And they say, I haven't been here, I would love to go. Uh, they say that they were so brilliant with how they engineered these buildings for the acoustics that you can stand on the, the, on the stage and whisper and hear it in the back row. That's how masterful they are with engineering the acoustics of this. In Acts chapter 19, when Paul's friends are drugged to the theater, this is where they took them, and they shouted, thousands, great as Artemis of the Ephesians. You got the city? This is where we're at, okay? Let's see how this, this uh, section begins. Paul says, for this reason. Now, I want you to draw an arrow from for this reason up, if you have your paper Bible, draw an arrow up to verses three to 14, in light of this unbelievable truth that Paul has unpacked in the first, in verses three to 14, which is one long sentence in Greek, by the way, 15 to 23 is also one long sentence. Two sentences basically make up the whole of chapter one. But in light of this blessing that Paul opens up with in three to 14, he, he, can, he follows it up by saying, for this reason. Now, because this section is also one long sentence. It means that the grammar can get a little bit strange. It's kind of hard to follow sometimes, and our English Bibles will help us with periods and commas and things like this. In sermon notes this week, go check it out wherever you get your podcast. We kind of walk through the grammar so you can see what Paul is saying and how he says it. That's the point of sermon notes, is to kind of give some backstory to what we can't say in this 30-minute block. So check out sermon notes as we go through Ephesians. He says, for this reason, what I've just said, Ever since I heard about your faith in King Jesus and your love for all God's people, Paul says, in light of that, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Because of how amazing God is, Paul says, it's caused me to fall on my knees and not stop remembering you and praying for you. But what does he pray? Look at the next verse, verse 17. He says, I keep asking that we're expecting content to follow. I keep asking that, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give, draw an arrow from the word give to that. What's the content? What is Paul praying? He prays that the God of all glory would give them something. What must they receive? If you can catch it, 
that they would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Revelation means to uncover something, have the eye, the scales of your eyes fall off to see something. What do they need to see? That you may know him better. That you may know him. That he may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Underline that. That you may know him better or in the knowledge of him. Notice. He doesn't pray about their circumstances. If I'm Paul in this situation, I'd go, okay, God, because you're so awesome, verses three to 14, you are wonderful, you are amazing, get these chains off. That's what I'd be praying. Instead, he says, you know what my prayer is for you? That you just know him better. That's it. That you know him more and more, that you don't just have knowledge in your brain about him. You don't just know some facts about God. No, 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 no. That you would deepen in your awareness, in your understanding, in your wisdom of who he is and what he does. You could probably remember, uh, I'm assuming several of us in the room have dated somebody before, and when you begin to, to date somebody, unless you grew up with them, but like in their family, friends, when you begin to date someone, when you first start to date someone, you kind of know about them, right? You, you know them from afar. Maybe you know that, they're attra- that you think that they're, a, that they're a beautiful and attractive, and that's what you notice about them. Or you know their friend group, or you've, you've spent some time with them in a, in a group setting, and you kind of know some stuff about them. Then as you begin to go on dates, as you begin to talk more and more and more, what you, what you uncover, especially if you end up liking the person, is the more you get to know them, the more you learn these weird little idiosyncrasies that they do, the more you figure out that like, oh my gosh, when they do this, when they do that, this is the thing that they like, this is the music that they like, this is the way that they react to this, and it begins to deepen your intimacy with that person. Here's what usually happens, especially if you're falling in love with someone, little weird things that nobody else would know about them, you just gush over. You can't help you sort of fall for those little things. You're like, nobody else orders their drink like she does. It's amazing. It's so cute how they do this. And nobody else gets kind of weirdly frustrated about this like she does. It's the coolest thing ever. I love her so much. And as you begin to know them more and more and more, your intimacy grows. You learn more and more and more about them. And if you're both falling in love, which is, I guess, the hope in this situation, they begin to do the same thing for you. Paul says, I want you to know him not from afar, not just facts about, but really know him. Why? He's gonna give three things that happen when we know him. Three results that happen. We've prayed them already this morning, but if you can't see their depths, if you don't allow the depths of what he has in mind here, Paul, to to marinate in your heart, to land on you, to melt your heart, then you will go through life timid and scared and anxious. What are these three things? Notice, when you know him, he says, when you know him, three things happen. First, you can learn what is the hope of his calling. Notice, it's not the hope of your calling. Some of our translations obscure this by saying the glorious hope to which he's called you or something like that. No, no, it's the hope of his calling that he takes the initiative, that he looks on you and says, that one. I love watching uh, the draft every year. For those of you that don't know what that is, here's what the draft is. Uh, Every year, the best players from like a college, a bunch of college teams, they desperately hope to make a professional team. And there's always a group of players that know they're gonna get drafted, they're they're shoe-ins, they're gonna go early. There's a large collection of other players They don't know they're gonna get drafted. They don't know where, they don't know who, and they go into the draft, there's a lot of uncertainty. And I love watching the draft because they'll put cameras on them, either in their home or they'll be in the place where the draft is. They got cameras on these players and you'll watch as different players get picked and they haven't haven't gotten picked yet. And you can see the nerves on their face. You can see the nerves on their mom's face, their dad's face. And then as you'll watch, you'll see on camera, they'll pick up their phone. And sometimes they begin to jump up and down. Sometimes they just fall onto the ground and these tears come in their eyes. Almost all of them hug mama immediately as soon as they get the, why? Why did everything everything change? Because they got the call. There was a team out there 
And that team said, of all these players, we want that one. That's the one we choose. And for them, they know that when they sign on that dotted line, man, that comes with riches. The trajectory of generations could be changed because they got the call. And they can look back on that day for the rest of their life going, everything changed that day because I got the call. Do you understand what this is saying? That the sovereign God who created the universe delighted, if you are in Christ, delighted to look at you and say, that one. Oh, man, you don't even know my love for that one. Come on. That's number one. Number two, what is the wealth, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Now, the grammar here is inconclusive. Scholars debate, what does he mean here? Can I tell you? Either way, it's awesome. Let me give you the two options. Option number one, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance for the saints? Meaning, all of the riches of what God is doing, the creator of the universe all of what he is doing in this world to bring out a people for himself that they may know him as their God and them as his people, he's bestowed that on you. Or it means this. What is the wealth of his glorious inheritance, his inheritance located in the saints? Here's the meaning. What is God's treasure? What, is his, what are his riches? It's you. In me, that God looks on you and says, you're my treasure. Hear me, not a disappointment, not an object of scorn, not a failure, not somebody that I guess I have to let into heaven through the back door because I sent my son after all. No, delights. He looks at you and says, That's, you're my treasure. Pretty cool either way, right? Either he gives his riches to you that you can walk knowing no matter what I'm going through, I have the riches of the creator God or that the creator God looks at you and says, treasure. I'll take it either way. Number three. Put number one, two, and threes by these, by the way. Number one, number two, number three. And what is the incomparable greatness of his power towards us who believe as displayed in the exercise of his immense strength? Paul is literally laying on thick the synonyms here. When you read it in, in the original language, it's basically like this. Um, the incomparable power of his power towards us who believe as displayed in the great power of his powerful power. I mean, he's just loaded on thick here. When you've gone into a situation and you knew that you had the upper hand, you knew that you had the strength relative to whatever you were facing, you kind of walk with a different confidence, right? You kind of walk tall. Uh, I'll never forget this. Um, we were at Fall Retreat. This was about 10 years ago. Uh, this was me and a lot of our cell group leaders used to work for our student ministry here. And uh, one of our cell group leaders, is Zach Eichenberger in here? Is, where, Zach, stand up for me, please. Um, so Zach Eichenberger over here, he was one of our cell group leaders at the time. And as you can see, he's not a small man. Um, he, he played football at Arkansas State, and he played lineman. And so you can sit down. I'm not going to embarrass you any further. Yeah, you can go sit down. Um, the story really is embarrassing to me. I just need you to see the scale of this person. Um, he, uh, I was talking trash with him, and we were just hanging out. And, and I, I supposed that had I played football, I would have been pretty good. And so I said, all right, here's what I'd like to do. Um, uh, we were, there was a lot of people around. We were just kind of messing around. I said, I want to be a defensive player. And I want, you to be the, I want you to play you, offensive line, and we'll pretend there's a quarterback back there, and I want to see if I can get around you or kind of push through you. And uh, I was like, let's do it. And he said, uh, he said, are you sure you want to do this? And I said, uh, I said yeah, 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 I think I can get by. And in my head, I thought, I'm going to smoke this guy. I mean, it was, he played at Arkansas State after all. I mean, I think I can get around this guy. So um, I get down. You know, I, I don't even know what I'm doing, so I kind of get down like this, and I'm probably not doing it right. And what I noticed about him is, he did not stretch. He didn't, I think he, I don't even think he had shoes on. Um, and as he kind of got down, he went, are you sure you want to do this? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, just to complete the story, I said, I'll say hut. I thought I had the advantage there. I went down, sit, hut. And I promise you, I, I, I never got my eyes up. 
before he had grabbed me right here. I'm 200 pounds. He picked me off both feet and slammed me into the grass, landed on me. Now I, have, I lost all my air. I'm just, there's, like, there's like dozens of people around. They're all laughing at me. And I'm gasping for air, and he gets up, and he goes, I'm like 90 pounds under my playing weight. That was nothing. Uh, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Now, why did he not stretch? Why did he say, are you sure you want to do this? Um, wh- why? Because he actually knew the incomparable greatness of his power relative to me, right? Like, <laughs> he had complete confidence in this moment of his power relative to me. Now, I want you to see, there's a confidence that comes with that. There's a certainty that comes with that. And Paul says, do you know the incomparable greatness of his power towards who? Toward us, right? Toward those who believe. By the way, it's displayed in the power of his, of his powerful power in you. Paul, he says, if you understand this, if you really know him, not just head knowledge about it, but if you dig deep, then you will have an, a courage that can never be shaken. Why is it that so many of us are so timid, so anxious, so fearful, so worried? Why, when I pray, to speak for myself, why is it often so impotent? My suggestion might be this. The vision of our prayer life has become nearsighted. And may I, I'm asking myself, I've been working this, I'm like, I don't pray right. I gotta lift my eyes in prayer. So much of my prayer life is on small little trivial things. Now don't hear me saying, God our Father cares about even the smallest thing in your life. He does. But hear me, perhaps we should lift our gaze, lift, the, uh, lift our eyes a little higher as we pray. This is what Paul prays for his churches. Do you pray like this? I know I frequently don't. It's the content. Trust me, it's by far the longest point. Who receives this power? Notice it. It says, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. It's a pretty good description of Christian. See it. I hear people say all the time, oh, churches and you know, religious institutions with their dogma and their beliefs and their creeds, that's so archaic, that's so divisive. I can't believe we're still doing that. All that matters is being a good person, being a loving person, being a nice person. Paul would say no such thing. He would say your commitment, you pledging your allegiance to a different king, the king who is your savior, Jesus. What we believe, it matters. But here's the flip side. We can all think of people. Don't look around the room. We can all think of people. Boy, they know their stuff. They never miss church. They read their Bible. But their heart is cold towards God's people. People that don't look like them or talk like them or vote like them, cold. They don't have a love for God and a love for people in them. What we believe matters. You're right. But what we do express in our love also matters. It's a really good description. If you're in the room and you're going, I think I got one but not the other, Paul might challenge you. But he knows he's writing. He says, I've heard of your faith and I've heard of your love. Verse 18, I think the net has this translation correct. I think this is the right way to take the first part of verse 18. Since the eyes of your heart have been enlightened. He's talking to people who have understood this. He's talking to people who he says, you You are Christians. You're Jesus followers. So to that group, he prays this prayer. Man, this is instructive. I see so many Christians, so many of us, I was this way for years, we get stuck. We come to know Jesus when we're seven, when we're 12. We we go to some camp in college or we uh, go to some retreat or we go to the beach and we come to know Jesus and whatever your story was. Maybe for a little bit, we read our Bibles and we did some stuff, but then we think, I kind of got all this down, and now what? And we can go through the rest of our Christian life going, I got the facts, I walked the aisle, I prayed the prayer, but we never deepen. We never get to know him more. Can I tell you, 
That would be like me looking at Sarah on our wedding day and going, I think I know enough here. Let me get her two years. I'm good. I don't need to learn you anymore. Now, two things will happen. First, she'll be really mad at me, right? That's just dumb. But second, think about what I would miss out on. So many Christians that I run into, and myself for years, we have a rudimentary knowledge of the things of God. We say, that's good. The rest of that's for the scholars. But Paul says, no, no, no. You have to dig in. Soak in it. Let it hit your brain. Let it hit your heart. You have to be melted by it daily. Let your love for him grow. You have to know him. Third, or where's our source? Where's the source of this kind of courage and power? This is, this is important. There was Trinity language all over Clark's passage last week, 3 to 14. There's Trinity language all over this one. Look at 17. I keep asking that God, our glorious Father, he's the one of our Lord Jesus Christ, might give you the Spirit. We got Father, Son, and Spirit all over this letter. I want you to notice something. For Paul, the source of his power, the source of his courage, the source of, the source of his poise, he, it doesn't come from looking inward. It doesn't come from him going, self, you have what it takes, you can do it, you're smart, you're intelligent, and people love you, so go out there and live life, you got it. He says, no, no, I can't, I must look outward. It must come from somewhere else, because within me, I don't have near enough. This is diametrically opposed to everything that our modern worldview teaches us. Uh, Adolf Monod, he's a French Protestant from the 19th century. I don't speak French, so I'm probably saying it wrong, but he says this. And I think before the, the first half of this sentence, before the semicolon, this is so descriptive. And he said it about 150 years ago. He says, philosophy, taking man for its center, says know thyself. How do you get courage? How do you get poise? How do you get strength? Look inward. Watch our commercials. Watch our award shows when the celebrities get up there and sanctimoniously lecture to us about how to be strong by being, looking inside and figuring out who you really are and go out there and do it. Listen to our, our, our watch our movies, listen to our songs. They are all pre preaching a mantra that says the way to greatness is look inside, learn more about you, tell yourself you can do it, dadgummit, you can. And here's what scares me. I think some of this seeps into the church as well. I'm not being mean, I promise. But it makes me worried when some of our language, some of our obsession with personality tests and things that help us learn about us, I'm not picking on it, I promise. But one of my fears with the Enneagram is that the Enneagram is telling you, where do you learn how to navigate life? Look inward. Learn your number. Learn where you move in stress. Where do you move in health? And that's all good. I think it can be really, really helpful. But the source of your strength and courage does not come from learning more about you. We need it. It's helpful. But your courage and your poise and your strength, it must come from outside. Look at how he concludes this sentence. He says, only the inspired word which proceeds from God has been able to say, no, 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 don't know thyself. Know God. Only Christianity would say this. No other political or spiritual ideology would say what I'm about to say. But we need to hear it. I need to hear it. Christians, hear me. You can't do it. You don't have what it takes. You're not strong enough. You're not powerful enough. You can't pull yourself up enough. You don't have the courage. But he does. He does. Paul will say it this way in 2 Corinthians. When I am weak, then what? You are strong. And I get how hard that is for us to hear, especially in southern, successful, northwest Arkansas America, where we measure everything in our own individual success. We need to learn this. Christians, hear me. Stop looking inward for your courage. Stop looking for 
your ability to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Stop, look, stop looking for political or economic power to do it. No. The source of our strength doesn't come from us looking inward. But it comes from looking at what God has done in sending his son to purchase our redemption and sealing that in his spirit. Look at 3 to 14. Paul says, go deeper in it. It'll give you, your, it'll give you courage. Lastly, what about our security? How strong is his power? Everything that follows in this prayer begins with which. It's all just describing the power of his powerful power, which everything that follows is just describing that. I'm only gonna highlight one. I had to cut a lot of stuff in this. I was really sad. I wanted to go along much longer. I'm just gonna give you one. There's a lot in there. We're gonna come, we'll come back to it. When he raised him from the dead. See, there's a power in our world that's undefeated. It always wins. It's the psychological ailment that ails your soul and mine. It's the fear of death. It's undefeated. Or I should say, it was. But it lost. Can I just ask you, when is the last time that you just sat in wonder of the reality that the tomb is empty. Do you know what that means? Do you really believe that? Really? Have you let it melt your heart to see, wow, that's the power we're talking about? I know in my life, my prayer life is very timid and weak often. I give you one instance where it wasn't. When our little one-year-old was uh, at Washington Regional, 35 minutes of seizing, we were sitting there in the emergency room, they'd called a crash cart in. And Sarah and I are sitting there. And the only thing that I could think, the only thing that gave me courage as they ran the crash cart in, I'm sitting in the waiting room, like the little room out there, like this. And I just thought, the tomb is empty. You're, you're bigger than this. And if she doesn't come out of that room, you're still good. You still won. I don't have a lot of power normally, but in that moment, tasting the victory, Paul would say, do you know it? Christians, do you know it? We wanna help you to know it. We've made a, uh, a little screenshot thing for your phone. It's on all little social media, uh, and it's on, we'll send it out in our fellowship news tomorrow. I'm gonna ask you, as we go through this Ephesians series, so put it on your phone. And as you memorize Ephesians 1, 3 to 14, Clark assigned that to you last week, uh, to pray this every day. And to posture your, your body as you pray it. That we might be people who walk in power. Not our power. Cross-shaped Jesus' power. Church, we're gonna turn now to sing about his power. But do you know him? Do you know him? really know him. To the extent that you do, you'll have courage. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to pray these words. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and stick your, put your hands out in front of you like this, like you're receiving a gift, okay? I'm going to ask you to posture your body. But let me just read these words, this prayer of Paul again over you and over me. To receive these words. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation so that you may know him better. The eyes of your heart being enlightened that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Would you stand with us and let's sing together?
open this from Ephesians chapter 1. Hear this. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us, and all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. We find our hope in that this morning. Amen. By death, the God of life, but no grave could e'er restrain him. Praise the Lord, he is alive. What a foretaste of deliverance, how unwavering our hope. Christ in power, he's resurrected as we will be when he comes. Jesus, that is the hope of our calling and that we find in you. 
That is the we have riches of our inheritance found in you. Power, Christ-shaped power, cross-shaped power, victory over sin and death through the Son of Man who came not to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. No matter what we're going through, no matter what circumstances we face in this room this morning, we can walk out with poise because of what Paul prayed that we will now pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you've done for us. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. If you need prayer right through those doors, we would love to pray with you. We love you, Fellowship Faithful. Have a great week. See you next week. Bye.